over to God, your past does not determine your future. What you were is not who you have to become. What you have done does not have to define who you are going to be. God allows you and affords you a brand new opportunity to be who God says you are. Who God says you can be. Hallelujah. He is the author of your future. Not your circumstances, not your past, not your mistakes. Amen. Those are things that once placed under the blood are no longer relevant to who you are in your future. They no longer have a say. They no longer have the power to point you in a direction that you don't want to go. God gives you a brand new destiny. If you know that to be true, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you doubt that, maybe I should at some point point you to 5, 6, 10, 20, 30, or 100 people that are here today that you would be shocked to see where God brought them from and what God has done in their life. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. He is no respecter of persons. Your family may not have come from a Christian background. Your family may not be one who went to church regularly. But your family tree does not dictate who God wants you to be. Alcoholism may have been prevalent in your family, but you can break that cycle through God who allows you a new destiny and a new future. Drug addiction is maybe something your family struggled with. I'm here to tell you today, that does not have to be passed down to you. You can break that cycle. A new horizon can be open to you. Amen. We have seen it so many times because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he's ever done it, he can do it again today. He can do it again today. Thank you for being here, joining us Sunday morning at the Pentecostals in Proverbs chapter 23. We're glad that you're here. I feel a wonderful presence of God. Over the past several weeks, I have felt a stirring in my spirit which has not left relative to God's Word. I just feel the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more we need to pay attention to that which is not movable, not shakable, and unchangeable, and that is God's Word. That's God's Word. That's really what every conversation should revolve around. God's Word is unchangeable, so we have been placing, I, I say we, it's just, I've been, 
God's put it in my spirit over the last several weeks an emphasis on the Word of God. And I feel today, man, more in that direction than anything else. Proverbs 23 and 23. Buy the truth. Someone say, buy the truth. And sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. I will tell you this. Wisdom and instruction and understanding do not come without the truth. Truth is what provides wisdom. Truth is what provides instruction. Truth is what provides understanding. And so I challenge you today. Buy the truth. Invest in the truth. Not monetarily. If, if the truth was bought with money, I'd be in trouble today. <laughs> but I buy the truth with my heart. I buy the truth with my energy, my time. Today, I want to minister to you on this subject. Buy the truth. Tell your neighbor, buy the truth. I'm going to tell somebody else near you, buy the truth. I'm not a stockbroker. I don't even, I wouldn't even start to begin to tell you what to buy in terms of stocks and bonds and various uh, equities. I'm probably not the guy for that. But I can tell you on the authority of the Word of God, you buy the truth and you sell it not. It's the wisest investment that you will ever make. Buy the truth. God bless you. you. May be seated today. C.H. Spurgeon said, And, O oh, beloved, there is one thing that I dread above all others, that is, lest I should ever handle the Word of God as to persuade some of you that you are saved when you are not. What a great error that any minister of the gospel would stand behind a desk and convince people that they are saved if they have not obeyed the truth because the truth is what matters. Steve Lawson provides this quote, Noah's message from the steps going up the ark was not something good is going to happen to you. Amos was not confronted by a high priest of Israel for proclaiming confession is possession. Jeremiah was not put into a pit for preaching. I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. Daniel was not put into the lion's den for telling people possibility thinking will move mountains. John the Baptist was not forced to preach in the wilderness and eventually beheaded because he preached, smile, God loves you. The two prophets of the tribulation will not be killed for preaching God is in heaven and all is right with the world. More importantly than anything else I tell you today, I want to tell you the truth. I don't want to insult you. I don't want to waste your time. I believe that your time and your soul is too valuable for me to stand behind this desk and tell you anything else but the truth. I pray to God today that if you hear anything, you hear the unadulterated, unwatered down, undiluted truth of God's Word. Not my opinion, not my theory, not what I think or anybody else thinks. I point you to the sovereign, unchangeable Word of of God because all that matters is the truth found in God's Word. 
Truth preaching is rarely popular. People like it when I preach faith. People like it when I preach miracles. I love all those things. People love when I preach victory and healing and signs and wonders, and that's all wonderful. But I'm going to tell you today, it's the green beans and the spinach on the plate of consumption. Sometimes we need truth preaching. Sometimes we need to push the cotton candy aside. We need to put the ice cream back in the freezer. Sometimes we need to get out that the vegetables and the meat and the potatoes uh, and realize that's what grounds me. Uh, that's what holds me. Uh, that's what anchors me uh, is the truth of God's Word. Truth preaching, the reason it's rarely popular is it rankles the flesh, but it sustains the spirit. <laughs> When I preach about the truth and I preach about me and you and everybody here needing to, to be better and line up with God's Word and, and align our lifestyle and align our conduct and conversation with the Word of God, I can tell you today the flesh rears its ugly head. But the Spirit says, I want more of it. Like a, a, a thirsty deer, the Bible says, that panteth after the water, our soul longs for the truth of the Word of God. I pray today that if I got up early enough to come to church and I walked out into some colder weather and made my way to church, there wouldn't be somebody there wasting my time with theories and popular opinion and some pep talk. I pray today that if I go to church, I can hear the truth of God's Word. Truth preaching is an identity reminder. When truth is preached, it reminds me of who I am or who I should be. Proverbs tells us, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. You know what I find in being a Pentecostal pastor over the last 10 years more than anything else? When I talk to people who come visit a Pentecostal church, this is generally the number one sentiment. My grandmother took me to a church like this years ago. Come on, somebody. My grandparents went to a church like this, and I have never felt what I felt back then. I long for that. I'm looking for that. I've been a lot of places, and I've experienced a lot of churches, and I've been to a lot of things. But can I tell you, I long for that root. I long for that landmark. We are in a generation of people from all ages that are searching, and they are looking for something that is authentic, that is real. They are not interested in you watering it down. They are not interested in you telling them something that is convenient, cheap, or easy. They want something that will change their life. They want the truth of the Word of God. Can I tell somebody today, in this day and hour, we need to proclaim the truth of God's Word because we've got a soul out there somewhere that's going to meet God, and we got a world that is hungry for truth. The Bible says, don't remove the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. You know, the Scripture is actually talking about, if you study it, it's rooted in greed. Because in that day and hour, tribes and individual landowners would try to move the stakes of their land and widen them out. 
You ever had a neighbor that just kept constantly mowing a little further into your property line? And you're like, man, I used to have an acre, but now I got like a half acre. My neighbor, he's done set up shop over there. He's put his kids' toys out there. He's mowing the yard. I don't, I don't even know what happened. Right? I mean, it's like somebody needs to remind him of the boundaries. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks that was rooted in greed because people wanted to expand their territory. And so when their neighbor wasn't looking, they'd pick up the stake and then move it 10 feet. And their neighbor's like, man, I don't seem like it was further along. And then when they wasn't looking again, they'd pick it up and they removed that landmark again. Can I tell you, removing ancient landmarks is always a source of greed. Your flesh, if you allow your flesh to dominate you and you allow your flesh to have the say-so in your life and sit on the throne of your heart, will constantly try to take away geography in your heart, take away space, take away things that should belong to God. Truth says, I do not want ancient landmarks moved. The flesh says, I want to do what I want to do. I don't like that preacher telling me what to do. I don't like that Bible telling me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. It's rooted in greed. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks. We do it because it's truth, not because our flesh likes it. We obey it because it's the Word of God, not because it makes our flesh happy. We do it because it is the truth and it's a landmark that should not be moved. Honey, if it was wrong when your grandpa went to church, it's still wrong. If it was wrong when your grandma went to church 30 years ago, the Word of God has not changed. Just because somebody out there's flesh got greedy and wanted to make it more convenient, make it easier, make it cheaper, can I tell you, landmarks should not be moved. There's a lot of pastors out there, they'll remove landmarks out of greed because they want more people sitting in the pew. I'm just being honest with you. I'm talking Pentecostal preachers. I'm talking a lot of Pentecostal preachers that feel if I can move the landmarks, greed causes them to push those landmarks out, try to expand territory, change the rules, make it easier, compromise the truth. You will never be rewarded by God or favored by God or blessed by God by removing landmarks that are set in His Word. I want to preach and try to live to the best of my ability the truth that is proclaimed in in God's Word. It is not my goal to have a big crowd on Sunday morning. It's my goal to take a church to heaven. If I wanted a big crowd, I'd have giveaways and we'd do all kinds, and it would be something other than a church. My goal is for people to come into this building and say, what does the Word of God say that I need to do to make it to heaven? People that are hungry to change if change is necessary. People that are hungry for the Word of God saying, I didn't come for somebody to pat me on the back. I didn't come just to have my ears itched. The Bible says in last days there would be people with itching ears and they would find teachers that would just scratch where they wanted to itch. I'm not interested in scratching where you itch. I am interested in telling you the truth. And I'm telling you, the Bible says, repent of your sins. The Bible says, be baptized in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I tell you, you must be born again of water and of spirit. That is the truth. 
I speak the truth in love today. I speak the truth knowing that each of us strive to be more like Him, including the one standing behind this desk. For saints, it's, I want to do what the church down the road is doing. I want to participate, participate in things that so-and-so gets to participate in. I want to remind you, flesh is never satisfied in moving landmarks. You give the devil an inch, what will he do? He'll take a mile. There are people that would have never missed a Sunday morning service if their life depended on it. And now, a small headache will keep them out because they showed the devil they're willing to do it one time. Thank God if, if you're sick and you can't be here, I understand there's, there's wonderful people watching online today that can't be here, and I love them. Only God knows those that are not able to be here. But I'm just talking about everything in your life. If you let the devil, if you prove to the devil and show him, I'm willing to compromise on that. I'm willing to talk about that. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to maybe think about that and not do that anymore. I promise you, he is just not interested or satisfied in that one little plot of ground that you've given him. As soon as you surrender that, as soon as you surrender your, your, your morning prayer, he wants your nightly prayer. As soon as you surrender Sunday morning, he'll want Sunday night. And as soon as you surrender Sunday night, he'll want Wednesday night. And as soon as you say, I'll watch that but not this, he's going to go after that. You have to make up in your mind, the Word of God is what is truth. That is the landmark. This is what's right. This is what's sovereign. This is what's real. And that's what I'm going to live by. For some people, at the end of this service, you need to evict the devil off some land that belongs to you. We need to be reminded that Eve first saw the fruit, desired the fruit, and took in the fruit. And it produced separation from God. You know, there's something precious about truth. Truth is one of the foundational principles of God's kingdom because God is truth. Psalms 119 and 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And thy law is the truth. Psalms 117 and 2. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. <laughs> Notice there is a truth, that's facts. And then there is the truth. Someone say the truth. That's revelation. There's truth. That can be a collection of facts. Then there's the truth, and that's revelation. The word in English and in Greek is normally the same, but the context of the statement shows us that many times in Scripture, when we refer to the truth, the meaning is not merely ethical truth, but truth in all of its fullness, all of its scope, and is embodied in Jesus Christ. He was the perfect expression of the truth. John chapter 18 and verse 37, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth, and everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. Other religions point the way to truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. <laughs> I am what you're looking for. I am the way. John 14 and 6, Jesus saying to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Pastor, I feel bound. I feel depressed. I feel incarcerated by my circumstances. I'm carrying a heavy load today. What do I need to do? Obey the truth. Because the Bible says the truth will make you free. <laughs> truth brings freedom. Throughout Scripture and until our present day, many people have a problem with truth. In fact, it's not politically correct today to even say there is such a thing as an absolute truth. If you live in the corporate world or work on a public job, you know this to be true. Stanley Grintz, a well-known spokesman for this new tolerance, says that truth is relevant to the community in which a person participates. And since there are so many human communities, there are necessarily many different truths. I can even read that without making a face. <laughs> Thomas Hemblock states that every individual's beliefs, values, and lifestyles and perception of truth claims are equal. There is no hierarchy of truth. Your beliefs, my beliefs are equal, and all truth is relative. How many have heard that? In fact, he says, this view, and we know this view is reflected in such often heard statements as this, no one has the right to tell me what's right or wrong. It's wrong to impose your beliefs or morals on someone else. I have the right to do whatever I want if I'm not hurting anyone. You have to do what you think is right. It don't matter what I think is right. It don't matter what you think is right. It matters what this thinks is right. <laughs> this is the hierarchy of truth. This is above every opinion. This is above every theory. I don't care how many degrees you got hanging on the wall, how many years you've been to school, or how full your head is packed full of brains. At the end of the day, this is truth, and nothing else matters. People say this, you have your value system, and I have mine. I don't feel the same way. Look, that's your opinion. Such views are not the exception today, even among Christians. An extensive study revealed that 57% of Christian youth already believe that what is wrong for one person is not necessarily wrong for someone else. Everything about that is wrong. Nearly 80% of 18 to 34-year-olds believe there is no unchanging ethical standard of right and wrong. 80% and you wonder why pastor's standing behind the desk today preaching about the absolute truth of God's Word. Because we are living in a day and age that believes that as long as you think it's right and that is your perception and you feel okay about it, that's what you want to do, and you're not hurting anyone, then it's okay. Can I tell you that the Word of God is the ruler. The Word of God is what is right. The rule of God is the judge. The Word of God is the ultimate barometer by which we should live our lives. It's not enough today to live and let live. It's not enough to assert another person's right to believe or what they say or think. In order to be truly tolerant, 
In today's society, you must now give your approval, your endorsement, and your sincere support to their beliefs and behaviors. The United Nations Declaration of Principles on Tolerance says this, Tolerance involves the rejection of dogmatism and absolutism. Or the Bible. I think it's ironic and and sad, but it's ironic that the proponents of tolerance are so dogmatic and so absolute in their rejection of absolutism. They expect Christians to be so tolerant, but they are so intolerant of Christians. <laughs> in other words, any system that believes in absolute truth is by definition guilty of intolerance. You don't even have to say anything if you think there's an absolute truth then you'll be labeled intolerant. To the modern, non-agreement, non-conformity is hate, and conviction is fanaticism. And that is why the proponents of toleration have no problem being intolerant towards Christians because we believe in biblical truth, we believe in one God, we believe in man's sinfulness and the evangelism of all people, including those of other faiths, and we are intolerant. Traditional tolerance asserts that everyone has an equal right to believe or say what he or she thinks is right. But the new tolerance says that what every individual believes or says is right. We have moved from thinking that you have a right to say or think whatever you want to now we have progressed that whatever you think or say is right is right to you. They claim that all truths are equal. All lifestyles are equal. But I want to tell you today that even the law of non-contradiction, which is basic logic, insists that two contradictory ideas cannot be true. Hinduism teaches that when a soul dies, it becomes reincarnated in another form, somewhere else. Islam, and among others, asserts that soul spends eternity in heaven or hell. They cannot be equally true. They cannot be equally true. The Bible makes it clear that all values, beliefs, and lifestyles, and truth claims, someone say claims, are not equal. It teaches that the God of the Bible is the true God. That His words are true. And that if something is not right in God's sight, it's wrong. Now, I know that's not popular. But if it's not right in God's eyes, it's not right. And I don't care who says it is. What politician, what celebrity, what athlete, or somebody in your family, my family, your friend, your boss, man, I'm telling you, if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Our lives, lifestyles, conduct, and everything we do ought to align with the Word of God and not popular opinion, not Hollywood, or what any party says. Our lives and lifestyles would reflect and should reflect the Word of God. The This is not just the view of Hebrew, Christian, or Western culture. It is truth according to the God who rules over all cultures. All cultures. The spirit of the new tolerance has in great measure infiltrated the church of the last days. That is why 
people have the false idea that all interpretation of Scripture is equal. That's a lie. That's a lie. And to tell someone that their belief or behavior is wrong is being judgmental. How many have ever been accused of being judgmental? I pray to God we don't. We, we are not the judge. This is the judge. I've been accused of being judgmental just for reading texts that were in the Bible. You can't get mad at me. It's right there. And yet, anyone that claims to live by the Word of God and the words, and we know the Word of God, we learned this over the last couple of weeks, is not just words on a page. It's the very breath of God. It's alive. It's real. It's relevant. It is God. Can I tell you today, to align yourself with the words of God and to say that you're being judgmental is to call God judgmental, and He has the right. He has the right. He is the ultimate judge. You see, the question is not, what does it mean to me? That's not the question when you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, the question is, what does it mean? That's all that matters. Not what it means to me, but what does it mean? And how do I apply it to me? I want you to get this. It's very important. The meaning of the Bible is not decided by the reader, but discerned by the reader. I don't get to decide what the Bible's saying. I get to discern what the Bible says. I don't get to read the Bible and inform my own opinion about what it's saying. I don't get to apply it in a way that makes it convenient or easy for me. I don't get to decide what the Bible says. I get to discern what the Bible says. That's why I want to engraft it in my heart. That's why I want to read it every day. That's why I want to love the truth. That's why I want to make absolutely sure I'm in the Word of God because I want to know what God is saying. You know, you can divide a quantity without hurting it. For instance, if I've got 10 eggs and I give five eggs away, every egg is still safe. You can divide quantity and everything is okay. You doesn't hurt it. But you destroy an entity when you divide it. Entity, as defined by Webster, is a real being, whether in thought or fact. So you can divide a quantity and everyone's safe. But you divide an entity and you destroy it. How many remember the story of the baby that was brought to Solomon, the dead baby? Two women was asleep in the bed and one rolled over and suffocated the baby and both women wanted to accuse the other. Ultimately, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, revealed who the culprit was. But that baby, like an entity, is destroyed when you try to divide it. Solomon said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll cut the baby in half, and I'll give you one, and you, you can have the other half. And the true mother was like, no, give it away, because you can't divide an entity and preserve it. Did you know God's Word is not a collection of good ideas or a buffet of self-helps that can be picked over at one's pleasure? God's Word is an entity. And if you divide it or take away from it 
or add to it or try to say anything it's not saying or try to ignore something that it is saying, you destroy everything about it. You take one scripture out of here and act like you don't see it. You have divided an entity and you've destroyed it. It is no longer truth. You have to preserve every word, every thought, every paragraph, every verse. And if you read it and you say, I know what that is saying, I need to do that because I'm not doing that. Or you read something in there that says, hey, I'm doing that and I need to stop doing that. Whatever it is that is in the Word of God, to preserve it, to make sure it stays intact, and to make it the truth, I've got to obey it all. Someone say all. I've got to obey it all. God's Word is an entity. To separate any part of it is to no longer make it the truth. It's not the truth anymore. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That doesn't mean divide truth. You know what Paul was telling Timothy there? Paul was, of course, a workman himself, a tent maker, and they would often use patterns. They would take this template and this master pattern, and they would set it down, and they would cut fabric around this pattern. And anything that was not a part of the template, that was not a part of the lines that were cut out of the master pattern, was removed. And so when Paul was telling Timothy to rightly divide the Word, what he was saying was, take this Bible, lay it on your life, and cut away everything that does not align itself with the master template. Cut away any thoughts or theories or personal ideas or anything you'd like to do, but you know it's not right. Things that do not align themselves with the Word of God rightly divide the Word of truth like a good workman. I pray today that is what I do. Every time I open up the Word of God, I lay my heart right there on the Bible and I say God help me to cut away anything that does not align itself with your word anything that doesn't sound like your word look like your word anything that wrongly represents you God let me remove it from my life brother white and brother Martinez will tell you it may look like a small thing right now it may look like no big deal. If I get over on this wall and I want to cut a straight line all the way down to those double doors, if I'm a 16th off right here, I'm like, oh, no big deal. That's just your opinion, preacher. I know what the ruler says, but it ain't no big deal. You keep going that direction and you're only off a 16th right here. You think by the time you get down to those double doors, you're off a 16th? You way off. And the further you go, and the longer you live, the further off you become. That's why there's a lot of churches that are unrecognizable to who they started out to be. If I did a church history lesson, you'd be shocked to know what most churches in this town used to preach. It was a whole lot of what we preach. 
But over time, it became a small thing. Over time, it became insignificant or not a big deal, not something to worry about. And by the time you get 40, 50, 80, 100 years later, they are no longer recognizable to even who they started. And their pioneers and their forefathers would roll over in the grave of the things that are being preached and allowed in their own churches. I want to tell you today, the Bible says to be a workman that needeth not be ashamed. You line your doctrine, you line your life, you line your church up to the Word of God. Nothing else matters. I'm telling you, I'm not here to tell you we're perfect. I'm not telling you we got it all together. I'm here to tell you we're doing everything that we can to align ourselves up to the Word of God. Regardless of opinions of men, truth stands on his own. Truth does not suffer when we fight against it. We suffer. Galatians 5 and 7, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? 1 Timothy 2 and 4, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of, someone say it, the truth. Not a truth. 2 Corinthians 13 and 8, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. It's the truth. We don't alter it. We don't change it. No matter what I say, think, believe, it's still the truth. The apostolic church is often criticized as being inflexible and out of step with times. The perception is false, but quite common. The problem is that we do our very best to be in step with truth, and we cannot move from that. Because if you, sub, you divide an entity or the truth, it's no longer the truth. 1 Timothy 3.15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. That's why I have always said, don't go looking for a church and find a preacher you like, choir you like, location, building, nice people, none of that matters. The pillar is the truth. When you go looking for a church, find somebody that'll tell you the truth, even if it hurts a little bit. <laughs> even if you walk out and you're like, whoo, them are brand new penny loafers right there. I don't even know why the preacher had to do that. I spent good money on these shoes. And he said, that dollar, that's all right. I want to know the truth. I want to know that when I went to church, I got something to think about on the way home. I want to know that God's Word has been preached, and I want to align myself up to the Word of God. That's all that matters. I had a lady tell me she was going to a church for about a year, and uh, she became a member of our church after a period of time, and she said, Pastor, I said, she said, I got to tell you something. She said, I went over there eight months, and eight months I didn't hear a single thing said that I was doing that I didn't need to do or I, I didn't ever feel like, man, I need to do better than that or, boy, I had preacher stepping on. Eight months. She said, I know I ain't that good. <laughs> I said, well, how long did it take you over here? She said, that first sermon was hurting a little bit. <laughs> I said, well, you ain't, in the, you ain't the only one. It was hurting me too. <laughs> 
because just because you stand behind this desk does not make the, me the authority on, on a perfect life. I'm trying to line my life up just like you are. I hope every day that I stand in the mirror of God's Word and I say, God, if you will help me, not only do I want to live it, but I want to preach it and proclaim it because it's the truth. 2 Timothy 2, 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. You ever, you ever been your own worst enemy? Oppose themselves. If God pre-adventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, you could stop being your own worst enemy when you acknowledge the truth. <laughs> you can get out of your own way when you start acknowledging the truth. Galatians 4 and 16, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Why are you mad at me? <laughs> Why am I getting a stink eye? I'm just telling you the truth. It ain't my opinion. That's what he said. He said, it's just the truth. The apostolic churches and all of us here are striving, doing our very best to align ourselves with the Word of God every day. You see, right is always bound because two plus two is four. And they'll try to make you think that wrong is always three. Two plus two equals ten. But you know, anytime I see a dog without a collar, it indicates that someone doesn't care for them. I see a dog running free or a pet just running free out there, no collar, no identification, no restrictions, no guidelines. That doesn't tell me that dog's free. Someone doesn't care about that dog. They don't care that there's a highway out there. They get run over. You don't understand that pet and that love pet is, is, is in a dangerous place. When you align yourself to the Word of God, it's not because you're restricted and because so it's keeping you back and it's somehow withholding freedom from you. What the Word of God does and what God does as the Word, He loves you enough to say, hey, this is what's going to hurt you. This is what's going to keep you out of heaven. This is what's going to restrict your joy and destroy your life and take away your destiny. So when I align myself up to the Word of God, it's not restricting me. It's liberating me. And when people see me living my life according to the Word, of God. They know I'm loved. They know I'm cared about. They know there's a God that's looking out for me. Yeah. Buy the truth, sell it not. How do you buy the truth? How do you buy the truth? Look at these examples of the Word of God. The Bible says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Truth is valuable enough for me to sacrifice everything I have, who I am, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. I want to sacrifice it because I want to buy truth. And the Bible says that this man, he sold all that he had. And he bought the entire field so that he could have that pearl of great price. You know what that pearl is? It's truth. It's truth. <laughs> At the end of the day, I want my children to know I may not have been able to give them all the finest things in the world. I may not have been able to provide them what the Joneses had down the road. But when they lay me in that casket, I want them to know Daddy gave me truth. Daddy gave me truth. 
Can that be your heritage? Can that be what you give away? Can that be what you leave to your children? I didn't necessarily get a lot of money. There wasn't jars of money hidden out there somewhere. But what I do know is God helped my mother and my father and my grandparents leave me true. And so when it comes to truth, buy it publicly. Someone say publicly. And he spake unto Ephraim regarding Abraham in the audience of the people of the land, saying, but if thou will give it, notice, in the audience of the people of the land, in front of everyone, he bought it. You know what no one respects? A closet Christian. Come on, somebody. Don't be a closet Pentecostal. Don't hide who you are. Don't be ashamed of being apostolic. Or Pentecostal in experience, apostolic in doctrine, Christian in lifestyle. Don't be ashamed of that. The overwhelming majority of people, even if they don't agree with you, they respect that you are who you say you are. I don't mean self-righteous, standing on a pedestal, pointing a judgmental finger at somebody else. Just live the way you claim to want to live according to the Word of God. Just be who, be who you are at church. Be that on the job. Don't be one thing at church and another thing at school. Abraham bought it publicly. This is who I am. I'm not ashamed of that. God doesn't need undercover witnesses. God doesn't need kingdom spies. The fact of the matter is, my grandfather would tell you, you live in the best day possible to be a Pentecostal. It ain't always been that popular. <laughs> it ain't always been something a lot of people wanted. I was spending time with a family a couple weeks ago. I just met them and we were kind of interacting and they found out I was a pastor. He said, oh, what kind of pastor are you? He said, well, I'm Pentecostal. And they said, ooh, I wish we were. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, well, you can be. I mean, like, it ain't nothing. <laughs> You should be on the job. How was your weekend? Man, it was great. I clapped my hands. I prayed. I went to the altar. God did something incredible. The power of God was in that service. I felt the chill bumps. I ran up and down the church. I, I jumped. I leapt for joy. The preacher stepped on my toes. I went to an altar, and I felt God, and I'm better for it. Don't be a closet Christian. Buy it wholeheartedly. Buy it publicly. Buy it wholeheartedly. David said, and the king said in Araniah, Nay, but I will surely buy to thee of a price. Neither will I burn offer, offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, which doth cost me nothing. I'm not looking for a great value brand of truth. I'll barely eat generic cereal. And I can't stand, and I 
you guys, I, I'm just, just me. I can't stand generic Coke. Mountain Lion. You got, I mean, hey, it's, it's just me. I know you guys, I understand, you know. It's just me. I don't like, I don't like fruity stones. I like fruity pebbles. I don't want a generic version of the truth. I don't want some truth that's filtered down and watered down and diluted, doesn't have original ingredients. That's nothing like what the original apostolics preached and taught. We believe we're the apostolic church because we still believe and preach what the apostolics preached thousands of years ago. What we believe it takes to get to heaven is exactly what Peter said when he stepped out into that upper room and he preached, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is still the original truth. Remain standing. You know a truth that costs me nothing is what? Worth nothing. If you're a parent here, you know the danger of giving your kids something without them working for it. What happens? They see no value in it. It didn't cost them anything. And so they'll not take care of it. They'll abuse it. They'll leave it out in the weather. But make them do chores for six months and use that money to go buy it. They don't even want their sibling looking at it. Don't even look at it. Because it cost them something. You remember the first car you bought with your own hard-earned money? <laughs> if you were fortunate enough, and I wasn't, but if you were fortunate enough to have your parents buy your first car, first week you kept it clean. The second week there was French fries and it was all... But boy, that first car you spent your own money on, you'd pick up your friend... They want to go through a drive-thru, you tell them, nope. It cost me something. See, these calluses on my hands, that's what bought this car. The Bible says, buy the truth. Buy it wholeheartedly. I sacrifice my fleshly desires for the Word of God. Well, I like doing that. But you know what? The Bible says I shouldn't do that. And so it cost me that. But people make fun of me because I live that way. It cost me that social acceptance. It cost me that. That's all right. I'm buying the truth. My family turned their back on me because of that. That's heartbreaking and that's tragic. And I want to tell you, buy it wholeheartedly. If it costs me social acceptance, if it costs me friends, if it costs me family or fleshly desires, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Oh, because the truth sets you free. Not only does it set you free here from the desires of the flesh, not only here does it set you free from the incarceration of sin, but there is coming a day it will set you free from the gravity that holds your feet to the ground right now. And last but not least, Buy it unconditionally. Someone say unconditionally. So Hamil, Miles, uncles, 
my uncle's son came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said, Buy me, buy my field, I pray thee, that which is in Ananoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. I don't want to buy the truth and attach some kind of conditions to it. Well, I'll, I'll buy the truth. I'll, I'll live for God if it makes me happy. I'll do what's right if it helps me pay my bills. I'll do it if it helps me get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or it puts my home back together. If it fixes everything, I guess I'll do it. You buy the truth unconditionally because it's the truth. If I do it, nobody else does. It's still the truth. I buy it unconditionally, not because it solves my problems. You don't buy the truth for fringe benefits. What's in it for me? How can it help me? Oh, there's plenty of benefits for the truth. But I don't buy the truth for fringe benefits. I don't buy the truth for fire insurance. I buy truth because He is the truth, and I want to be in a right relationship with Him. Because I love Him. I want to obey Him. I want to spend eternity with Him. And He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is His Word. Heads bowed and eyes closed today. I pray there is a fresh commitment for total surrender. I pray today someone begins to analyze the landscape of their relationship with God. Pastor Barbara, I pray there's some people here today that looks and going, hey, that used to be a, a non-negotiable landmark for me. I, I would have never done that before. That's something I would have never dreamed of doing, but somehow I allowed my flesh. Somehow I allowed the deception of the enemy to, to move that landmark and truth became relevant. I made excuses and I justified it and I told myself it was okay. But in the end, the truth is not changed. I pray today that before you walk out of this building that you, like Paul, told his protege, take the Bible, take the Word of God and lay it on your heart and anything that doesn't line up with that, cut it away. Remove it. Divide it. Separate yourself from it. And in that there is freedom in that there is liberation the devil will try to tell you and convince you that living for God and going to church and not doing certain things not going certain places not living a certain way that is binding you it's restricting you nothing could be further from the truth there is nothing more liberating than saying I can do anything I want to do but I choose to serve God I drink all I want to drink. I do all the drugs I want to do. But I choose. I choose to serve God. I choose to buy the truth. I voluntarily, out of my own self-will, choose to live a, the way that God desires for me to live out of His Word. Our worship leaders are going to sing a song of invitation today. And just for the final few minutes of our time together this morning, 
I wonder if there is anyone, if you got your Bible with you, just take your Bible and walk down to an altar and say, God, help me to live according to your word. Help me to love your word enough, God, to align my life to it. Maybe it's a prayer of repentance. God, forgive me for anything that's in my life that is not aligned to your word today. Come on, that's it. Cleanse and purify my mind. Cleanse and purify my heart today, God. Let the Word of God be the mirror that I look into. Let the Word of God be the reflection that I look into. Be who you desire me to be. Come on, that's beautiful. Out of sincerity, out of honesty. Search us today, O God. Search us today, O God. If there are landmarks that have been moved, let me, God, take care of that right now. If there's convictions that I have laid down, God, if there are compromises that I have made, let me correct that today at this altar, Lord. Because your truth changes not, God. With your eyes closed and your hands raised, pray a prayer of commitment right now. Commitment right now. I commit myself to your word. I commit myself to your truth today, God. Beautiful. Come on, beautiful. Let the word of God bring conviction. Come on. Lord, help me to discern. Help me to know. Hallelujah. Give me direction, I pray, to draw closer to you. Beautiful. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, break us. Come and overtake us right now. Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. I'm not ashamed of the truth. I buy it publicly. I buy it unconditionally. I buy it wholeheartedly. this prayer right now elevate the status of your word in my life elevate the prominence of your word in my life help me God to put more emphasis on your word it's not about 